Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets. Meteorologist Ed Russo here. And meteorologist Tom Russell here. Always great to catch up with you, Ed, and everybody listening. Thanks for being out there. Don't forget, you can always catch any episode of It's Raining Mets right here on our uh, website at cbs21.com or wherever you find your podcast. Wherever you find your podcast. Everyone's listening to podcasts these days. I know. So let's give them something to to listen for yeah uh let's talk about the heat here in central pa i I gotta tell you and i've said this to you this year a couple times i did not think it was going to be hot as hot this summer so now we've got over 30 days 90 or above we did 30 last year that really surprised me so we haven't really set a lot of individual record days Mm -hmm. as far as the heat but man it's been a very hot summer yeah and it's it's been humid muggy too You're not kidding. And that's noticeable at night when we don't cool off, you know. I get done the broadcast at 1130 midnight, and you go outside. It's like soup out there. I mean, it's really warm, really humid. Uh, so it's look like it's going to be top 10 uh, warmest for Harrisburg as far as summers go. Meteorological summer ends here August the 31st. So uh, that is coming up. And it's going to be probably like 7th from yeah. what I can tell. And, and, you know, sometimes we get our real humid stuff in August, too, because the crops are at their full maturity yeah so i I ran into the statistic yesterday Uh an acre of corn okay how many how much so we're talking about evapotranspiration how much moisture comes out of an acre of corn in a day how much moisture do you think comes out in in gallons i was gonna say how do you measure in gallons in Uh, gallons putting you on the spot here tom corn an Uh, acre of corn a day 200 gallons 3,000 gallons. No! Yeah, for an three, acre of corn. For an acre of, of, you know, mature corn. We're talking about mature corn, wow. like like next to Field of Dreams, mature corn. corn. Yeah. Wow. Which, you know, we have rolling hills here of corn. and All over the place. Yeah, so that's... That, so we enhance our own humidity. Mm-hmm. That's We enhance our own humidity through through some of the crops. 3,000 gallons. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it, impressive. It's amazing because it's not like you're just standing there and you see all this water just coming out. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because a couple times on the broadcast, we'll take our drone up and we'll show from the air. And as you look out in the distance, you can literally see... You know that that haze yep. in the sky, yep. and it's the moisture; it's just hanging there. Yeah, and you know we, we get you know pretty humid too, and you mm-hmm. know the early part of summer too. That that's from you know tropical air from the south, but you know in the summer also we got to take into account we get those tropical air masses that Definitely. precede all of those tropical systems that we sometimes get, which we've wow. had two. That's right. Two of them recently. And as we record this, maybe another because now we have our next tropical entity, number nine, which becomes Ida. Ida moves towards Louisiana. And you say, well, how does that affect us? Well, it makes that familiar right-hand turn, comes up through the southeast and into the mid-Atlantic, and we get some of the rain from that. So that's something that we're watching right now. And uh, we don't really need a whole lot more rain right now. No, we've we've certainly gotten our fair share from... uh from Fred, which right. which which produced a lot of rain, definitely got a, a nice uh, dousing of rain from. Uh, oh, geez, <laughs> <laughs> there's so there's so uh, many. Yeah. I, there's there's so many storms recently. Uh, what was what was the Grace one? Henri, Henri, Henri. Yeah, uh, as it moved up the coast. Yeah, so we've had our fair share. Yeah, but Fred, you know, not just the rain from that, but we got. Um, we got some of the severe weather Potentially, too. Uh, one, two, three tornadoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had York County. Yep. We had Halifax got confirmed. Yep. Uh, there was the one in Schuylkill County. Which one am I missing? 
Well, there was a, a wall cloud I got oh, in, yeah, near yeah. the New Oxford area. Um, That's the York County one that they did confirm. Or the one they did confirm, I think, was in Red Lion. Oh, that so was that, Red that was an that EF was zero. They were thinking about going to New Oxford, um, but I don't know if there was the New Oxford area, and I think there was another spot in Adams County that that might have had some damage. I don't think they stopped by there. I don't know if they will. You know how sometimes these storm damage reports can <laughs> come out while, yeah. even beyond a week later. So uh, there was a wall cloud there that was actually pretty impressive. Didn't didn't see a funnel with it, but definitely had some rotation. Speaking of that, what do you think of this severe weather? Because it seemed like we did a couple podcasts early on going, meh, nothing's going on, nothing's going on. Then all of a sudden, instead of being like in the early part of summer like it typically is, it seems to be the the second half of summer where we had all the severe weather. Yeah, and and that EF three tornado um, in Pennsylvania out in the one the, over uh, in north Bucks of, County. Uh, Bucks County, north of. Yeah, Florida. yeah. I mean, typically we get, you know, May, June, maybe early July, but that was the end of July when that happened. And, and wasn't that the first three since Campbelltown? In yeah, the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, that was the first EF three since Campbelltown, I believe. And before Campbelltown, I think there was one in Limerick. PA, which yeah. is Southeast PA. Yeah. I think that was an EF3 too. Wow. And then before that, there might have been one in... Actually, there were some in 98. We had a tornado outbreak in 98, 98. too. And, and then before that, it was 1985. 85 was the big one in Northeast PA. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, we think we should be coming out of that severe season, but we're also moving into, as you mentioned, the remnants of tropical system, which mm-hmm. for us, it always means that threat of flooding. So as I was looking uh, currently at the data for what's going to be Ida here, um, works its way up toward us very similar to what we did 10 years ago when Tropical Storm Lee just flooded us just after Labor Day of, uh, of 2011. And what set the precedent there, set the what we call the antecedent uh, moisture, was there was uh, Irene before that, which came up the coast, gave us a good bit of rain. So we were already saturated. And even before that, that summer, uh, there was a heavy rainfall. It didn't have a name or anything, but it was a very heavy rainfall. So you had this heavy rainfall, you had Irene, and then you had what the remnants of Tropical Storm Lee, and that set up the flooding in September of 2011. And I, rem- I for some reason, I remember the radar that day because you could see all the way from Southern Maryland, you had this band of rain that was just moving due north, and it did not move. It mm-hmm. looked like one of those snow bands in the winter that right, just, just would sit up. over the same area and wouldn't. It just was un- bad. unbelievable. I wasn't even living here at the time, but I remember it being a big deal. Wow. A lot of people were blaming you. I don't know if you know that. You uh, weren't here. Well, yeah, because I wasn't here. It's like, oh, it's easy to talk behind his back now. <laughs> exactly. Let's say let's say anything. <laughs> it's that weather gig. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a fascinating setup because, uh, as I mentioned, you know, living through that summer going, oh, this is not good. We can't have another rainfall, another rainfall. And it was just devastating flooding. You know, you had the, the Susquehanna, of course, but it was really about the Swatera and these uh, other creeks that just couldn't handle it. Now, I imagine, so Shypoke did oh, flood. Oh, yeah. yeah, so then what other parts of Harrisburg flooded during, during Lee? Well, the Swatera was the big thing, so Hershey was the, the big oh, area. Yeah. And what happened in Hershey is, the, and they learned this lesson, they basically, the first responders were trapped. So think about a, a reverse moat. So you had uh, all the first responders and their equipment and everything in downtown Hershey, but they needed to get to the outskirts of Hershey, but couldn't because they were surrounded by water. They were literally, uh, you know, they couldn't get to where they needed to go. 
Um, so it was a lesson learned that when one of these events comes, you put different apparatus at different points and, mm -hmm. and make sure you have uh, people outside of that. Plus, they did a whole reconstruction of the infrastructure of Hershey after that event, hoping to move water more, you know, more efficiently. Yeah, that was that was a crazy that, that was, was a crazy a event. And I remember, you know, you know, I I kind of got I really learned about what was going on because that that made national news. Oh yeah, big time. Big time. Yeah. That was, a, that was a huge event. So uh, we say that to, uh, you know, just kind of put that in the back of your mind that this is the, the season when we get those big tropical systems. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared for uh, potentially for flooding. Uh, hopefully we haven't. We're not going to see that. But as Ed knows, I'm kind of a, like a broken record. We are overdue for some major flooding, whether it be river or some of our creeks and streams. Yeah. And, you know, the peak of tropical season technically is still ahead of us here. Yeah. So the peak is uh, technically uh, September the 11th. So the next couple of weeks are, are when we see the most activity. And uh, looks like as we move forward, we're going to see that. So we have Ida. And then the next name on the list is Julian. So we could go right down the list. Now, Julian, that is that a new name? Or I don't remember that being in the rotation. Something. Did it replace something? Mm, a lot of storms. It, it seems like a lot of storms have been replaced in recent years, so I'm always trying to remember, like, is this a new name that we haven't seen before? And they do that because they like to have a point of reference to go back and study that. So uh, there's a, a rolling list, a six-year rolling list of, of names, hopefully from all different ethnic backgrounds and across the, the world. It's made up by the World Meteorological Organization. Uh, and then they just have this list that rotates. So what Ed's referring to is you get a major storm. Uh, and then they retire the name, then another name mm -hmm. take it, takes its place. So You know, and, and there's some people that are like why do we, why do we have some of these names that are that are hard to pronounce but <laughs> but you know the, you know the Atlantic basin is huge and there's yeah. so many different countries so many different languages that are spoken uh, in the Atlantic Basin. So you kind of choose these names based on where these storms may have potential impact. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you kind of have to, to cater to all backgrounds. Yeah. So they're... So, the Caribbean, so, Mexico, yep, yep. Canada. Yeah, so you have all sorts of names that kind of represent the countries that, you know, surround the Atlantic Basin um, when we, you know, have, have hurricane season. So... So get ready for uh, pretty pretty much uh, a lot of activity for the mm -hmm. uh, tropical basin here over the next couple of weeks. None of that should surprise you. Uh, I do want to touch on a story that you're working on. If you followed uh, some of Ed's work over the last year, it's been fascinating. You know, you were into the spotted lanternflies. Uh, you were talking about uh, the cicadas before that. And now you're working on ticks? Yeah, ticks. What's the story? You know, you know what makes me tick? <laughs> yeah. There we go. Getting rid of ticks. <laughs> that's what makes you tick. That's what makes me tick. That's what makes anyone tick, right? Um, well, I, I want to say, not to throw you off here, but uh, my dog was not not herself. You know, we couldn't figure it out. She was we ticked, wasn't she? She, was, she got ticked. <laughs> she, she was diagnosed with Lyme disease. My dog. Your dog. Yeah. And what what are the symptoms? Because you think about it with with humans and. Well, but with lethargy was the big thing. Like, you yeah, know, she's usually my spunky one, and she just wasn't herself. So my my wife took her in and. Uh, they say, yeah, she's showing uh, signs of of, uh, of Lyme. But the big thing, and the one we're most concerned about, is her uh, eye uh, is fully dilated and won't return. Now, I, I mean, is she is she still able to? Yeah, she you does know, everything. She eats fine and all yeah. that. But we were noticing that she wasn't quite herself. So they did give us some 
uh, some medicine for her, and it seems to have helped her spunkiness. So this would be able to bring, you know, this will. So you'll just treat it because there's no way to cure yeah, you it. Can't once cure you have, it, but yeah. you know, in a dog, you don't you don't really you know, how you diagnose, you know, a dog sleeping all the time. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard, but you do notice a, a personality difference. But all right, so tell me about your tick the story because you've been digging into this. Yeah, so so deer ticks that they are, I believe, native to Pennsylvania. The problem is you don't want one on you. Right. Um, and there's a bush. That is a safe haven for them. Uh, it's called Japanese barberry. It's a, just another exotic plant that was brought to this country. It might have been brought here by accident, but it's it's ornamental. I mean, it's a plant that looks nice, but it what, what spreads. It? So it's it's kind of it just looks like any bush you might see in in the wild in Pennsylvania, but it's very prickly. Okay, it has kind of smaller green leaves, and in the winter, um, it has these really kind of beautiful red berries that birds will eat. So in the fall and winter, you'll see the red berries from it. You'll see the nice contrast. You really okay. see the contrast when everything's brown and yeah, dead. And then you got this bush that's producing the, these red berries. Okay. Um, nothing eats it, and it spreads. It spreads easily, and it produces a chemical that pre- prevents other plants from growing around it. No kidding. It's like yeah. its own protection. Yeah, it's got its own protection. It's highly on the offensive. So... Um, and then the birds eat the berries, and they depot, they drop the seeds on the forest floor. That's how that's how it really spreads. So it the, spreads. Yeah. So nothing b- besides the birds eating the berries, nothing eats it. And because nothing eats it, the ticks are safe there, and they're not going to be vulnerable to, wow. to any sort of predators. So they're like little starships for uh, for ticks. Yeah, to and somehow around. ticks know. You know, no one no one likes this, but right. we like it well, we because it. because we're not going to you know be put in harm's way. So, you know, it's very prickly. It's really hard to get out of the ground. You got to use a shovel. You got to use a solid pair of cutters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you need the right tools. You really need the right tools. What would you uh, offer to use? Uh, a shovel. Or a. Oh, a pair of loppers. A, a loppers, like Lop- a Cindy lopper. Yeah, like a, yeah, you can yeah, you can call them Cindy. And uh, every time, if you don't if you don't have a good pair of loppers, the bush is going to come back time after time. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not it's <laughs> not not a good bush. Well, you'll see its true colors. <laughs> but do it for the environment. Yeah. You know, or so if you, you just want to have fun, you know, <laughs> you're killing I could keep you're going. No, you <laughs> so you should you should kill this stuff because it harbors ticks or you should kill this stuff just because it's invasive. Well, invasive, invasive. It, t- it takes out, you know, other. So the other, you know, a lot of Pennsylvania's native plants that are important in depositing nitrogen into the ground when they die. Mm. Um, those native plants can't grow because the barberry basically makes wow. the soil hostile through that chemical they release. Huh. So, you know, you get destruction in Pennsylvania's native plants, which interrupts the food chain. And then you also get, you know, a, a more likely chance that your backyard will have ticks. Can you spray it with something? You said you had to dig it out of the ground. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that that's always last resort because that, yeah, th- that spray that chemical is going to kill things that we want, right. that, that, that you need. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very tough, and it's extremely hardy. And if you don't get the roots out, it'll come back. And you said it, it flowers all winter, so you would— Yeah. So, actually, uh, many, many plants that you see that have color in the winter, I'm talking about beside brown, if you see anything green— or anything with a really contrasting color, mm-hmm. it's not native. Ah, that's a good indicator. Though. Yeah, so that's huh. a. So I talked to Heather Andrews. She's the thought known as the thoughtful gardener in the McCann. thoughtful gardener. Okay. And she, 
yeah, she's very thoughtful. She's very interesting to talk to, and she has a lot of like, she drops some some really interesting knowledge. Well, you've had uh, on her, you've used her for many stories, and she's been really interesting. And uh, what, she actually grows stuff on her own property. Mm-hmm. Is that her yeah, she grows stuff on her own property. She has blogs and whatnot where she talks about how to turn your yard into a more productive environment for native, not only plants, but uh-huh. native wildlife. And if you have native plants, they're going to attract native wildlife, right, right. which is good for the environment. It's good for the habitat. It's good to keep, you know, it's good to keep a healthy, healthy ground. Okay. So are you going to be like Dr. Seuss and write a book, like get rid of the barberry bush? Or yeah. It <laughs> sounds like one of those plants in a Dr. Seuss thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, ha- it does. It does. All, all is not well. Barberry <laughs> <Yeah. bush>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that does sound exactly it like does, one. Of, you're giving me ideas, Tom. I don't know if that's a good thing or. It's a bad thing. After oh, they need to keep me. Puns, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they need <laughs> to keep. <laughs> they need to keep me on a tight leash here. All right, Sometimes. so we talked about the tropics, ticks. Um, now we got to start talking about cool weather. What's your feeling on cool weather moving in? You know, we get those stronger fronts that normally start coming through late August into September. I think people are banking on <laughs> a nice, crisp morning that's yes. comfortable to run. Yeah. None of this soup that you keep running out into. Yeah, I mean, it's unusual for us as I look at this summer. We've had so many heat waves we've strung together of five, six days. I think we had one mm-hmm. of six days. That's unusual. I mean, we do three or four days, but the five and six day stretches of this, very unusual right. for us. And in August of all times. And I know we said, you know, August, you know, oftentimes our hottest is in July. Right. But our, again, we could have lower temperature, but consistently higher humidity. Because of this. Yeah. Evapotranspiration right. in August. So, yeah, August can be an uh, unbearable month, too, for a variety of different reasons. But as you said, we've seen many days in August that have been 90-plus. Yeah, this has been uh, fairly unusual. But uh, hats off to September because September can be some of our most beautiful weather all year long. You know, spring always gets the attention because it's that big change coming Mm -hmm. out of winter. But I'll tell you, September, even early October around here, gorgeous. Oh, oh yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, and and the color change. You know, I've I've heard um, that, you know, know, a somewhat wet summer can lead to nice— Nice fall, color fall. change, fall, fall foliage. Hmm. Um, so that's always something to look forward to. I think people are, are kind of getting... I mean, everyone's talking about the pumpkin spice lot. I know, already. They're it's talking August. about it in July. Well, you know, I anchor with Jasmine Brooks, and it's, it's pumpkin spice this and pumpkin spice that. I'm like, yeah. it's it's still August. Relax. Calm right. down, you know? And and you don't have to wait for it to come out. You can definitely make it. Uh, yeah, but you shouldn't because it, it's part of that... You know, changing of the calendar, that yeah, seasonal to, change. Don't jump have, the gun. You have to wait. Just like I wouldn't drink eggnog in July. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. That's some good advice there. <laughs> yeah, I'm always here for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so looking for some cooler weather here uh, as the month goes on as we get into September. So. Yep. All right, well, Tom, it was yeah. great seeing you again. Well, I'm ticked off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's After hope your I, story. Yeah, let's hope I don't tick off too many people. <laughs> All right, very good. They should be the opposite. Now they have more knowledge on how to get rid of them. <laughs> we'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. You're listening to It's Raining Mets.